what looked like a war zone. Trash and smoking fires everywhere. And I said, Pilar, that was Woodstock 99. Burnt to the ground. Monday morning, shit was blown up everywhere. So there was news camera crews. There was riots and it was nuts. We saw a lot of people uh, blowing stuff up and, and uh, it, was, it was wild. There was a lot of crazy people. And if there's another Woodstock, uh, would you come again? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> it was the best time I've ever had and 22 years later and it's still probably the best time I've ever had. There were no rules. I could just kind of do whatever I want. You know, complete anarchy, it felt like. It had the time of my life, you know, in that moment. It was like, wow. It's like, I'm glad I got to experience that. What a story. What a ride. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. All right, well, hello, everybody. Back after a two-week hiatus. This is the most listened to podcast in the city of Chattanooga. I am your host. Been doing this thing for six damn years. My name is Brian. The show is called Stone on Air. It used to be a radio show once upon a time. Maybe it'll be a radio show again one of these days. Uh, a fella can dream, can he? Lots of stuff to talk about over the last couple of weeks. We'll do so coming up next. And as always, I'll have to adjust my damn level so my eardrums don't blow out so I can actually hear myself. Um... And when I say a lot of things to talk about, I really mean just kind of talking about my trip out of town up to, to New York, a couple local stories here on the front end, but not not a whole lot going on around town in the last couple of weeks. And, and part of that might be I just didn't, I wasn't around. And if I was, I was not really paying attention, but I haven't seen anything grab headlines. The stadium deal is done. Um, that got pushed through just like we all figured it would. I didn't think it would be so easy. I think I think it was done the last time I did a show uh, two weeks ago on Thursday. This show is found every normally these days on Thursdays. I'd love it to be Wednesdays, but the schedule just works out better for uh, an every Thursday download. And you can find the social medias and anything that is involved with things I record and put out there for people to listen to. Stone on air, all one word. Stone on air, all one word. If you separate it up and start putting other words in there, you're going to, you know, I don't know what you'll find. But if you put it all in one word, you'll absolutely find it on every single platform. So I will uh, lay out the show real quick. Really, actually, I won't. I mean, I will. Is simply, I'm going to talk a bunch about New York. I was there for four days, and it was one of the greatest four and a half days. Uh, that's a little hyperbole. I don't want to say it was one of the greatest times of my life. But it was one of the most fun and enlightening and culturally, um, uh, well, enlightening would be the right word, culturally understanding that I've only seen on movies and television my entire life. And so I don't want to say the greatest time of my life, but it was the best four-day stretch I've ever had That where the goal was to have a vacation. So that's going to be a majority of the second and third segment of the show. And I got a handful of things I want to get to here on uh in the open here i've got the realest thing the worst idea and the coolest thing coming up here in about 10 or so minutes from right now so the front of that was if you couldn't tell um you likely could it's woodstock 99 uh that's audio from the latest netflix or i guess the only netflix little mini uh, series, I guess. It was three episodes. One, each, basically Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Each episode was Monday, or was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it was really well done. It had, uh, it's called Trainwreck. If you haven't seen it, you should. The chances are you have seen it because it's taken over, like social media was just a buzz about this. I started it before I left town two weeks ago. I finished it as soon as I got back. Um, for those of you who are new here, which I'm sure is probably almost none of you, I went to Woodstock 99 as a 19-year-old, and it's one of my favorite experiences of my life. 
everybody I've talked to that I went with, which was about six of us, really all say the same thing. It was like one of the worst things ever, yet it was one of our favorite things to experience and be able to talk to all talk about all these years later. I just found it a little strange that this 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 buzz of this three-part doc got everybody just like, oh my God, can you believe it? I'm like, yeah, I've only been talking about this on this show ad nauseum over the years, usually in July. Uh, most years, I'll do a little reminiscing of it, pretty much to eye rolls, often to eye rolls, like enough already about Woodstock, bruh, and when Woodstock 50 was uh, announced and then ultimately thankfully canceled, the terrible promoters, the revisionist history of all the Woodstocks, it's fascinating to me. It's been a uh, a brand that I have been fascinated with since I was a middle teenager. I watched the Woodstock documentary initially when I was 15, 14, 15, 16 years old. I have the records. I have the CDs. I've listened to all of it. I've watched everything there is to watch. I've watched all the docs on all of the first two. I watched the 94 version on pay-per-view, and I went to 99. I mean, Woodstock was one of my favorite things, and it still is one of my favorite things. Basically, at this point, because of the disastrous nature of it, and I have a little bit of a fascination with coverage and and reminiscing of disasters it's kind of like murder porn right <laughs> or uh people who are obsessed with you know lifetime movies and and uh, serial killers and stuff like that i'm obsessed with disasters uh the titanic has been something that's always been fascinating to me 9-11 is something i'll talk about a little bit more later on i don't think that's very unique to me i think a lot of people are that way um but you could have known all this about woodstock for 22 years uh it's all over youtube HBO Max had a fantastic two-hour uh, documentary on it uh, that's been out for a couple of years now. I think this Netflix one was better, technically. I think there was a few things that I didn't quite know, like so, a few things I, I learned that I didn't learn from the HBO Max one. But anyway, I just find it f fascinating that everybody's like, oh, my God, this is so interesting. I'm like, yeah, I know. I've only been trying to tell you that for 23 years. And speaking of eye-rolling, uh, Better Call Saul It's finally over. It was on the second to last episode last time I talked to you. I'm gonna, in the open segment of the second segment, I'm going to talk about it a little bit, and that'll be it. I'll never discuss it again. I know it's not good form to sit around and talk about a television show that the chances are the people listening to your show haven't even seen it. And I won't spoil anything if you're considering seeing it or halfway through it or whatever. But I have to talk about it for a few minutes. I'm so emotionally invested, so I'll do that for a few minutes uh, on the um on the rejoin into the second segment. So now just a handful of things here that I've jotted down to myself over the course of the last week or so. Um, the Wilcox Bridge, I see recently, has it's going to be replaced, and we've got a good chunk of money coming from whatever fund it is, not, you know, federal funds, that uh, I saw uh, Joda, Chief of, Chief of Staff, and, and, and Mayor Kelly talking about and I don't really know what it is exactly. I, know, I mean, I know where Wilcox Tunnel is, and I know Wilcox Boulevard, but some I, this is one area of town, one of the few areas of town that I am not familiar with at all. This bridge is going to be, I saw some renderings of it, at least it's a rough sketch, that's going to connect to the Chattanooga Riverwalk or something. Sounds like an amazing project, and... Um, and so, you know, that's a, a big win for the, the Kelly administration. I figured I'd at least mention that. New music venue coming up, I'll tell you, right after this. So check this out real quick. Again, something that probably doesn't affect almost anybody or very few people listening to this, but you might find yourself in that direction. And here's an I-75 construction life hack. All right, if you're, if you're not aware, between Bonnie Oaks and Little Debbie, uh, excuse me, not Little well, yeah, but the uh, Volkswagen exit. Bonnie Oaks exit and the Volkswagen exit. And it might go all the way past the Volkswagen exit. I'm not real sure the exact logistics, but at least until there, they've got both sides just ripped all to hell. I'd love to know why. I keep forgetting to go to TDOT and checking it out, but it is a freaking disaster. And at drive time on the way towards Bradley County, it is a parking lot, and there are no good ways to get around traffic well depending on where you're going but there's not very many good ways in this area of town the super suburban crap hole that it, i mean it's nice obviously but i just i hate it so bad i hate working out there it's a soul-sucking existence it's the worst thing ever 
but so I don't have to drive there during drive times. Coming home, I'm usually coming home around six or seven, just past drive time. And on my way in, I'm I'm headed up around 11, 11 30, 12 noon. But it's backed up every minute of every day. If you're heading up north, you're going to Utawal, you're coming from Shallowford Road, you're coming from downtown, you're coming from Georgia, and you're on your way. The biggest problem with construction zones is, especially in off-peak times, two lanes can pro- it will pretty efficiently get most of the traffic through. It's just the problem of taking four to five lanes and shrinking it all the way down to two and trying to get everybody to do this in concert to do this, you know, properly. And most assholes are trying to get up further on lanes. They know we're going to run out and that that's the biggest hurdle. Well, the Bonnie Oaks exit is like a totally uh, different exit than most people are used to using. You might know this. You might not have needed to pay attention. The, that exit goes to Lee highway. It goes to Bonnie Oaks, both directions, East, West, whichever one it is. And it also acts as the on-ramp from coming from those roads to get back onto 75 North. And it's about, it's at least a quarter mile, maybe longer. And if you just shoot all the way to the right lane and you get off at Bonnie Oaks, don't go right. You're not going to Jenkins. Don't go right. You're not going to uh, to Bonnie Oaks right there. That's not Bonnie Oaks. That's uh, Appleton. No, that's Lee Highway. You're not going to Lee Highway. Just stay on that stretch and take it all the way down and you will just watch all the people stacked up, not moving as you fly right on by. And then by the time you get in, it'll be down to two lanes when this is now the merge lane coming. Like for all the, everybody on the interstate knows, is you just came from Bonnie Oaks and you know they're going to easily let you in. And by this time, it's flowing, it's moving pretty good. And you almost hardly stop. At least that's been my experience for the past week and a half or so. So if you're headed towards 75 North and you're headed towards Ottawa, you see it start to back up, jump off of Bonnie Oaks and just shoot it all the way up. And then you'll get, I promise you. It'll say it. It'll save a lot of headaches. I don't know how much time it'll save, but as long as my car keeps moving, that makes me happy. Uh, the new music venue, I was shocked to hear about on the south side, and I was just looking at the pictures at Nuga today, a little while ago, and um, on Facebook, and I've lost it now. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, something ballroom. It's going to be at the old Market South, which it, before was that was the old uh, grocery bar. It's on Main Street, just down from uh, Broad. It's um, then it was a uh, a temporary uh, indie music filming uh, staging area done by the guy who does the uh, uh, forgetting his name now, but does the film festival every year. And uh, the Market South idea was a, a mixed use concept where it's different kinds of foods, come and go, uh, incubator kind of stuff that didn't work, and now it's going to be a music venue. With the booking being done 100% by my guy, all our guys, Mike Dewar, formerly of Rhythm and Brews, Sandbar back in the day, uh, Songbirds, and uh, many other um, organizations and music uh, uh, venues of sorts. He's going to be handling that. That's going to be cool. It's all some of the pictures of some of the renovations they're doing in there. That's a huge space. That's a very cool space. And it's got a parking lot, which is pretty damn awesome when you're talking about trying to go anywhere downtown so i was happy to see that uh finley stadium fight over the weekend a bunch of kids man kids are the worst it was a jamboree they had to cut it early um bunch of different schools involved i had some highlights here i was gonna read but i'm not really gonna get into it i hate kids so much brian wright is the new executive director of finley stadium he's uh just now kind of getting his feet wet and he's I need to get I need to get in hold of him and talk to him and know that guy. Love to have him on the show one of these days. Um, but there was a taser involved with a fight in the concourse, and somebody thought it sounded like gunshots or something. I don't I don't know, but man, I don't you 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 guys and gals out there that have kids and put up with all this nonsense for twenty five years, if you're lucky, from being little tiny snotty assholes to you know teenage punk, just ugh, God, it's terrible. So they ruined it. They had to cancel the damn thing because somebody thought there was. Or they had to end it early because somebody thought there was gunshots. I don't know. I don't know how much exaggerated they got. And then one quick thing here: when I was in New York City, this uh, Marlago uh, raid and Trump thing was the story of the week. And of course, up there, everybody, you know, the little amount that's discussed of politics, which is very close to none, was all giddy about it. And it's just a blah 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 situation for me. Enough is enough. 
Oh, my God. Russian collusion. Mueller report. Uh, now he's got classified, declassified. You know what? There's. We might just have to get to a point where we all agree that the guy's a piece of shit. All right. The guy's an absolute piece of walking dog shit. But he might not be a criminal. Right. Can we maybe could we just all kind of come to come to the conclusion that the guy might actually not be a criminal? That just might happen to be true. You can be awful and still also not be a criminal. And then the defund the FBI types out there, this mess. Uh, defund the FBI. Same South Park characters that were, you know, back to blue. Can't believe they defund the police. And now they're saying to what the. All right. That's all. No more on that. Let's jump into uh, what I got here from some audio clips here and then get into some um, really just talking about my, my trip to New York City for the most part. Uh, what do I got first here? Oh, the realest thing. This is so true, so true, so true. I was thinking about it the other day. There's too much content. There's too much content. It never ends. And there's too many people trying to mimic others and trying to do the same thing over and over again. And it's getting so, so lame. Even TikTok's getting difficult to, to use. And I was once upon a time, not that long ago, praising it as the most amazing social media. Long before any of you, I promise you, nobody I knew was looking at TikTok before I was. And they're like, what the hell is the matter with you? I was like, trust me, it's awesome. And then until everybody gets there, now it sucks. This is today's real thing. There's too much content. Keep scrolling, you'll never reach the end. We were never meant to hear every single person's thoughts, opinions, and advice. I'm never going to make my own dishwashing soap. I'm never going to optimize my VO2 max. I'm never going to understand the battle strategies of the British colonists in the French and Indian War. Everyone's a creator, expert, and a comedian. We're all leveraging the same jokes, formats, narratives, and strategies. I'm so sick of man-on-the-street interviews. I'm so sick of, she's a 10, but... So sick of hearing what it's like to live in San Francisco as a 33-year-old software engineer, product manager, or PR professional. I'm even sick of my own stupid videos that follow the same format and use the same sound every time. I'm also very dizzy. We're all bloated cows and social media is milking us dry. Sayonara, folks. I'm going to scream at the sun. I just saw another one with this stupid over and over recycled yellow lead better mumbling lyrics thing where a young person did it saying, when dad says mumble rap is stupid, yet jams to this. Oh, no, boob. It's like, oh, my God, how many times can we make the same joke over and over again? It's so it's getting so incredibly lame. Come up with a unique thought and, 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 and a creative uh, post or go away. It's today's worst idea. Showing up late. Why can't you just say, I'm sorry, I left the house late? Why is there always some kind of bogus reason? You know what I noticed about people that always show up late? They always have a reason. Oh, I overslept. Traffic was a nightmare. But you know one thing I've never heard? Hey, sorry I'm late. I left late. And the traffic one, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, really? That's the pile of shit that you're going to lob at me? Have some self-respect. I'm not a fucking idiot. You're going to take the traffic one and literally offer that up to me as an excuse? Oh, I'm a fucking idiot. Give me a little self-respect. I'm not the sick one. You are. I was trying to remember why I played that. It's because the guy gets kind of funny at the end. All right. And the final one here has been a lot of them here recently, but a lot of them have been pretty good. Uh, a friend of mine sent me this one. Pearl Jam, how do you make a Pearl Jam song in under a minute? Today's coolest thing. How to make a Pearl Jam song in under 30 seconds. First, you need drums. Then bass. Then guitar. Then more guitar. Then you need to have a way with words. I get Now, some of the complaints for this one was that it's more like a, uh, uh, 
Why am I blanking on the damn uh, band? Daniel John's band. Silver Chair is more like one of those or something. But really what that is more like is a mid-2000s Pearl Jam song as opposed to a mid early to mid to late 1990s song. And I was trying to think I, that sounds just like some song, some random obscure song. And this is the best I can come up with. The song is called uh, Amongst the Waves from 19, or excuse me, 2009's Backspacer from Pearl Jam. All right, rest of the way, at least for the next segment anyway, Better Call Saul, BCS and NYC, and I'll get to it next. Now back to more Stone on Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Stoneonair.com. What's up with this shit? Rainy. Yeah. It's crazy. Like bananas all this rain. I mean, I thought we were like in a desert, you know? You're a lawyer, right? Ah, I recognize you. Hey, so you having all this expertise and all, this guy, Goodman, see the real deal? Like lawyer-wise? When I knew him, he was. How about we get him a real attorney? I mean, what the hell is this? This is who he hires? This is the guy you want. This is the guy I'd hire. Oh, it's the guy you'd hire. Uh, look, you remember Emilio? Okay, this dude got Emilio off like twice, okay? Both times, they had him dead to rights, yo, and then poof, dude's like Houdini. Seriously, when the going gets tough, you don't want a criminal lawyer, right? You want a criminal lawyer. Know what I'm saying? Oh, it makes me sad. Oh, that was two spliced together pieces. One from the second to last episode of the show, and then one from, like, the second season of Breaking Bad. Aaron Paul's re, re coming back to play his character, and he's 43 years old. Supposed to be, like, 20. Age was an issue on that show because they, it was so far in between, or from... Uh, they were playing a prequel 15, 20 years later Small little thing that most of us overlooked uh, Piano Man, I'm playing for a particular reason I will get more to that here a little bit later If you haven't seen Better Call Saul I I, I, just, I just I say if you just ever got to find it in you Even if you haven't seen Breaking Bad I would suggest doing it both starting with the bad and then going to Saul it is just some of the most brilliant television cinematography set design I don't I don't know film lingo enough to use all the proper words to give it its full due and it's it this isn't just me nobody watched this and thought nah you know I don't know it's all right I mean if you thought that if anybody thought that they just dropped out and and just quit watching and it's it's taken so long. There was a uh, the pandemic hiatus. There was just long breaks in between seasons. Bob Odenkirk had a goddamn heart attack on set a year, two years ago, or whatever the exact math was. Like you know, mouth to mouth resuscitation, paddles clear, save his life kind of stuff. Like it's a pretty wild story. And it's just it. I I cried, not wept, but teared up hardcore at the end of the, the, the final show last week or, or Monday. And I, I literally had anxiety going into the, to the evening of sitting down to watch it because of the anticipation for how it was going to end. Uh, and I don't usually get this kind of wrapped up in, in, in the motion picture arts. I mean, I love a good flick or a good TV show or a good story, a good doc, but I usually don't get too emotionally wrapped up. And um, I just can't. I'm just still beaming when I'm not sad. I'm beaming about just what brilliance I just watched for the last 14 years of my life. And I'll never do it again. I will never sit down and watch anything that stretches out that long. It's just just too damn long. Uh, but just brilliant, pure, brilliant, pure, excuse me, pure brilliance. I wanted to read this to you here real quick. Um I don't remember where this came from. I just copy and pasted his long thing talking about Saul's before the final episode a week or two ago. And it said, this is the best feel-bad show out there. The best feel-bad bad show out there. 
This is because Better Call Saul has and always will be one of television's greatest tragedies. It is a harrowing yet enthralling experience as we watch a man slowly lose touch with the possibility to be good and instead fall into his own worst impulses. The show has seen Odenkirk give not just the best performances of his career, but one of the best ever put to screen. His shift from McGill to Goodman has been a patient one, drawing out every detail with both precision and poetry. The show's final season promises to be the long-awaited payoff to that as we see the shady yet resourceful lawyer have to reckon with his past in a future that has already been set. We know where this all leads. Rather than lessen the suspense and engagement with the story, it only builds it further. The inevitability that is hurtling toward all of Better Call Saul's characters makes it all the more devastating when we all know that they are all about to tip into oblivion. And there was a long list on uh, Rotten Tomatoes that said why Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad. And it was many different reasons and then a breakdown of all those reasons. Strong female characters. Uh, everyone mattered. That was an interesting one. Every character really had a meaning. There was almost no just kind of throwaway character. Uh, very, very detailed. But this is the one I wrote down the uh, the little description to. It's an exercise in Shakespearean-level character drama. Better Call Saul's slow-burn exploration of character and morality in the courtroom and the criminal underworld cemented a different contemplative flavor than its predecessor's thematics. Talking about Breaking Bad. Slowly, steadily, with the help of impeccable writing and top-notch performances by every single cast member. And the main point there was Breaking Bad started off with a bang. I mean, it went 0 to 60 like that. There was no major character build. They they built their characters amongst the chaos and the and the action, I don't mean action like an action movie, but the the faster pace of getting straight to the point of what's going on here. There isn't a sit around and learn who everybody is before we get to it. That's what Mad Men did. Um, that's exactly what Saul did. It gave you a few little things to kind of to hold Breaking Bad fans' attention, like a character from the show that they just kind of put in there to, oh my God, I remember him from the, just to kind of keep your attention. But they slow burned and meticulously. Uh, uh, shaped these characters that at the time you didn't understand why they mattered. You're just trying to figure out why is this guy from the show I love, probably most people's favorite show at that point, why is he here and where is he going? And by the time the show is over, six years, seven years later, six seasons later, every single cast member means more to you than any person in Breaking Bad ever meant because of the character build. And the emotional uh, connection that you had with all. Oh God, I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm sounding like a total dork ass, and I apologize. But uh, so good, such a ride, such a ride. And if you do decide to watch it, and you get into a couple seasons, and you're like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. Take my advice. Just stick with it. By season three, you'll start to get it. Season four, you'll be like, holy hell. Season five, your head will explode. And season six, you'll cry yourself to sleep at night. If, especially if you have the Breaking Bad background. If you don't have that, eh, I'm not sure. Might work. I don't know. All right. So enough about that. Let's start with, I'm just going to run through my weekend in uh, New York City. My friend Brad Steiner and his wife, Hillary, moved from... Uh, New Orleans to New York City earlier this year. And I went and saw them in New, uh, New Orleans a year and a half ago. He got a, he used to work here in radio for years. You likely recognize his name. Formerly 96.5, the mountain back in the day, and then hits 96. Long story on all that. That's none of any of our business. But so they ends up in New Orleans, the perfect city for them, and that just that's their style. And I fell in love with New Orleans. I'd been there before, but I was quite young. I was 18, so old enough to get it, but not really old enough to experience it the way that I would, clearly, as a, as a real adult. 
And I just, I was in love with the place. And I was like, this is awesome. I mean, I'm, I'll be back, except for I'm never driving there again. God damn, 12 hours. Screw that. So as soon as I saw he was in New York City, I see where they're, they're living in Queens. He got a gig at, it's, uh, it's Alt 92.3 up there now. It's been this, uh, it's the same station as we have here, Alt 98.7. The funny part is he used to make fun of me and that station and how stupid he thought it was. Um, long inside jokes on a lot of that. And then now he's programming the exact same station. It's just in New York. And I, I, I'll get to it in a minute, but I, I was at the studios and was looking at their logs and looking through the computer, and it's the exact same station run exactly the same way but uh just one of the cookie cutters throughout the country and you know it's still pretty good though i mean it's it's still a a a fun radio station at least as fun as a music radio station can get and when i saw he was up there i said all right i'm gonna look at the schedule whenever the braves are in town i'm coming up and that was probably april may something like that and uh he said bring it on and so i had a place to stay and he can get free tickets to everything. So I got the, uh, we got Braves Mets. And then I've, you know, if you listen regularly, you know, I talked about how we ad- added the Rage Against the Machine show, which I will get to more in depth in uh, next segment. But um, so I thought this, yeah, sure, this is going to be fun. You know, it's going to be a good time. It's not going to be that expensive. The flight was more than I would like to, to think that it was normally going to be. I've, flown just enough to think that $600 round trip seemed a little high. I was hoping for more like 450, but hey, I guess there's an airplane shortage now, right? So we can't, you know, we got to charge double the price, I guess. But I was happy to pay it cuz I knew that I wasn't going to be uh, paying any lodging or ticket prices. All I was basically going to do is feed myself, drink, eat and drink for a weekend and I foolishly said to many people I told about this, that really this isn't going to be much different than if I went to any city for four days. Really, I mean, everything's paid for except for eating and drinking and whatever small amounts of money I need to spend for whatever else, a little travel, you know, a little uh, Ubers or trains or whatever. But, I mean, I might as well be in uh, Nashville for the weekend, right? I might as well be in uh, Atlanta for a long weekend. That was the dumbest thing I could have said. <laughs> that was the dumbest, most naive, ignorant thing I could have thought. That going to New York City for four and a half days was going to be comparable to going to any other area of this side of the, uh, of the Mississippi River. That place is expensive, expensive, expensive. Whatever you're buying today, that's just a random item. Tack on two or three dollars minimum. Alcohol, food, drink, I mean, it's, and we also went to, not I want to say nice places, but better than just, you know, hot dogs on the corner, Uh, you know, street car, I didn't, or or the little cart kind of thing. But I actually even made a list of the things we did day by day, and I might get some of them mixed up, and I might not. So we started off Friday, I got there earlier in the morning, I stayed up, I got out of here at four o'clock in the morning. Went to the Chattanooga airport, which is just such a breeze. Oh, it's such a delight to fly out of there. Now you're going to be connecting most of the time, and that sucks. But it's so easy to get in and out of the Chattanooga airport. And I got to uh, Charlotte around 7, or maybe it was even before 7. That's right, because I went to the Mexican joint in the in the uh, airport. I wanted to get a drink. They didn't start serving alcohol until 7. Well, my flight was at 7. 30 and study you know they they board at 7 10 7 15 so that wasn't really work out and i didn't need to be drinking at seven o'clock in the morning anyway and then i made it into new york by about 9 45 so everything was running right on time that was very good i was feeling good and uh going on very little sleep i slept from like 8 p.m to 2 2 a.m and i get there he picks me up from the airport which is great cuz my anxiety for trying to figure out how i was going to get around by myself for the first time stepping into this massive monstrosity of a city i was actually very uh, anxious about that he comes and picks me up uh brad does and then we stop by his house he changes and we go to his his work and it's audacity who bought out intercom who's it's one of the biggest radio companies in in the country really in the world and the, the building is in the New York Google headquarters. 
and uh, New York Paramount, Paramount, excuse me, not Paramount, Paramount uh, headquarters. You have to have like a pass, like to scan to go through any doors. No guests, just like, hey, he's with me. Yeah, no, he's not. You know, if you don't have something to scan on your own, you're not getting in. He got me a day pass for the Odyssey offices. So if I wasn't around him, I could have just gone anywhere throughout the Google Paramount uh, Odyssey building by myself. That was pretty cool. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but that would, was pretty cool. Went up there. He had to do a little bit of work. His radio station, uh, WNYL, is the first station that Howard Stern, uh, when he came to New York, that was the first gig he had at that at those call letters. Not the stations changed probably twenty times since then, as far as formats. But WNYL is Howard Stern's first stop in New York in what nineteen eighty five or whatever year it was uh, when he left DC for New York. That's pretty awesome. And then right next door, and it's just palatial, palatial studios. I mean, I'm just in love. So far, I'm like, screw the city. I'll hang out at this radio station all day. That's kind of dork I am for this kind of stuff. And right next door is WFAN, the classic, legendary WFAN. I think it's 660 AM, and then it's now on 101. I don't remember the translator for the, for the FM signal now, but the fan, the original the fan. You hear the fan radio all over the country. This is WFAN, the original. Um, Mike Francesca, Mad Dog, and them two were on back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, Boomer Esiason, the former NFL player, does a morning show there. I mean, this is, this is the big leagues. This is major league radio. I was in awe. Uh, then, so we leave there. And um, I'll, it'll be part of the rejoin later on. We First thing I ate when we got there was Joe's Pizza. To walk in and out, it's not a you know, it's not a street food thing, but it's close. And pictures of every person you can imagine from, I don't know who the hell, I barely looked at it. But all the, look how many people have been here. The world famous Joe's Pizza, and it's just a massive slice of New York style pizza. I wish I could remember all the different, oh, I, I was trying to remember all the different neighborhoods and parks we were in. We were in several different parks. We went and sat in one right there that's escaping me to eat. Um... Then after that, we headed over to uh, where Lennon was shot, which was just down the way, right across from Central Park. And it's a first of all, it's a blistering hot day. Stupid, stupid hot day. So we're just sweating through our clothes. Um, well, let me make sure before I even get to that, before we, I jumped ahead of myself, because again, these are all just things I wrote to myself on my little check sheet here, which I'll actually start to make some marks off as I go through it. Uh, the first subway ride that I took, that was a cultural shock that I really, really enjoyed. The first car we got on had a full bongo band uh, doing their thing. And then as soon as they're done, they walk up and down the way with a shoebox for tips. And as soon as the next stop hits, they jump off, they jump on the next car, and they do it again. So they pay $2.75. That's how much it is for one ride. And they get on the train, and they just ride it all day. Playing bongos, and maybe there's a little bit more than just bongos, and then looking for tips. Probably make a decent amount of money doing it. Lots of bums, lots of uh, you know homeless, mentally ill on these things. It, it is a very technically dangerous place. I didn't have any true fear, but I was you know had had my head you know looking around and didn't have my periphery you know didn't have my blinders on. I had my heads up most of the time, but that was. Uh, and that was just one of many. We rode the rails all over the place because uh, my friend Brad knew how to get around, which made things very, very uh, uh, convenient for me. So then we went to Central Park. I'll wrap up Friday here and then wrap up this segment, and then uh, I'll finish Saturday and Sunday and Monday in the final segment of the show. Uh, I don't really care about the Beatles that much. John Lennon is my favorite Beatles, so kind of, oh, that's where he was shot. Okay, cool. And then in Central Park, there's a Strawberry Fields a memorial kind of thing. There was a bunch of people over there, and I wasn't really all that interested in it. Uh, right across the way is Trump International Hotel that is famous from the Home Alone movies. Right across is that little bridge from Central Park that you I've seen in many, like, Law & Order SVUs that looks like probably many other bridges that are in Central Park, but it's part of the scene when... When Macaulay Culkin runs out of the hotel and he's running into the park underneath that bridge, that was it right there. And then found out that right up the road, well, by the road, like 15 blocks, 
was Monk's Restaurant, or the actual name, Tom's Restaurant, the iconic diner that the Seinfeld characters meet at virtually every episode, or most of the time, if you watch, you know what I'm talking about, and that was between the radio station to get my picture outside of the, re- with the restaurant neon sign, I was like, holy hell, what a day, what a wonderful, wonderful place and a wonderful day, and that was basically about it. Uh, we stopped at a bar that no significance once or twice for water and a beer and then just, you know, kind of pit stopped at a few of those. And that was Friday. Lots of time left to go after that. I'll spell it all out and continue story time. My trip to New York City Saturday, Sunday and Monday. I'll finish it up coming up next. for the first time. I took the subway and it was so cool. The rats here are huge. So this is what $6.5 million buys you in Brooklyn. Here's a quick little tour. Treeline Street, high staircase leading up to your front door. New York is such a beautiful place. Shut the f- up. And the people are so nice too. What I love most about New York is what I love most Only eat New York pizza for an entire day? Challenge accepted. Now to begin this challenge, I started my day with a slice of pizza that was approximately two times the size of my face from the famous Joe's Pizza. Miss, I'm so sorry. What does it feel like to be an elitist New York piece of shit? It feels awesome. Thank you. Oh, that was great. There's a bunch of stuff I found on TikTok. Oh my god, I forgot how much I love this band. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, OMG. I love, 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 love this band. I lost it. When they played this, it was just, oh my, I forgot I know every word. I can rap right along with this. More on that in a minute. And seriously, yeah, the rats. <laughs> Those, the, the subway rats, the rats on garbage day, they are everywhere. It's everything that you've seen on television, movies, whether it be old, new, uh, Law and Order, uh, Home Alone, whatever it is, it's all true. None of it. Is exaggerated. The honking horns, the cabbies, the crazy driving, the yelling, the the uh, the loud mouse, the 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 mentally ill, the the the, the just the oddness that's just so different than most people's regular life. It's none of it's exaggerated. That's exactly that place every minute of every day from my vantage point. The city that never sleeps couldn't be. More uh, a more appropriate tagline, nick, nickname, or slogan for uh, for New York City, and I I'm just I'm in love. I absolutely loved it. So we were staying in Queens, not the nicest area, but certainly not the crappiest either. And it's all that same typical, you know, rows of just these old buildings, and they're just all apartment complexes and all different walks of life. Very. Uh, not white, to put it perfectly honest with you, but not just all black either. Lots of different shades of skin, different kinds of people. It's just one of the most diverse cities, not just the neighborhood I'm talking about. This, It's so diverse. It was just awesome. It was so cool to see so many different uh, walks of life, So many hear so many different languages being spoken everywhere you went. And, and the neighborhood that, that they're in, has everything you need right around the corner, you know, liquor, corner store, again, bring your, you know, Chinese, you know, that they'll deliver to you. Um, and the apartment is very linear. So, like, it's basically just a hallway and, you know, bathroom to your left then spare room to your left then their room to the left. And then you're in the living room and then you go straight back and then there's the kitchen. It's pretty comfortable, especially for two people. If you put 
A third in there gets a little crowded. You put a fourth person and you're getting pretty crowded in there. Um, but there's just like all over the city in these old buildings, no central heat and air, almost nowhere. That wasn't just in, in a not so nice area. That's true with most of these neighborhoods. And so they have one window unit for the whole place. And in my room, it, luckily it's in the corner and kind of nudged in between another building so it doesn't get any sunlight in there. But the window's open. It's 92 degrees during the day, and you have to have the window open so you have some air circulation. Uh, at first, I was like, what the hell? How am I going to pull this off sleeping in you know, no AC? It, uh, it worked out pretty good. It, it, if this was 10 years ago, I might have had a bigger issue. But also, walking, we, no joke, literal walk count was 70,000 steps. 70,000 plus steps over the course of four and a half days. So between that and, you know, a little drinking here and there, falling asleep wasn't, and, you know, some melatonin, that was not that much, uh, that was not that big a deal. So we start Saturday, we go to this place, I think it was called Randolph's, doesn't matter, it's not important, but it was really cool, arcade game, like uh, old school video games, this kind of sport, I don't understand what it was, I can't, I can't even explain it, but it's a all ages kind of thing, like um, bocce ball kind of, I don't know, wild kind of new age place. The best fish tacos I've ever had in my damn life and a complete line of seltzers that were absolutely fabulous. We, over the course of, of the weekend, stopped at two different places. The best way I can uh, explain it, it's like a market indoors. It's kind of like Warehouse Row, if Warehouse Row was awesome. <laughs> if it wasn't, if it didn't suck, um, just every kind of cuisine across the world you could find with a little bit of shopping as well we stopped in two of those over the course of the weekend i know one of them was in chelsea um the upper west side we were at at one point dumbo which i don't remember what that stands for but i thought it was odd that dumbo was what they would use a uh, a nickname for an area but it's very popular lots of shopping lots of food didn't and, and every time we ate the whole weekend fabulous Fabulous food from Joe's Pizza to any other pizza that I got to Chinese we had called in to to these uh, warehouse row style places in Chelsea and oh my god we went to some Italian place for some more authentic Italian pizza uh, it was just 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 fabulous fabulous on that paid for it very very highly but it was uh, it was it was fantastic Saturday afternoon we went to a bar called Standings no one's ever heard of this place it's in you know Manhattan. It was the most perfect, wonderful Mets bar I've ever seen in my life. It was the most perfect sports hole in the wall that I've ever been in. And I've been in a lot of great sports bars. There was about seven people in there the whole time. Almost nobody came and went just to watch the Braves-Mets game. All Mets fans, they all knew their sports. They all knew baseball. We had great conversations all afternoon. One of those kinds of places where there's just newspaper and, and programs and just 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 sports stuff all over the walls, bobbleheads hanging from the ceilings. I mean, just a fabulous sports bar. Sat, we weren't only going to stop in and ended up watching the whole game and getting a little tipsy in the middle of the day drinking beer there. It was uh, That was just plain awesome. We left there, and I'm, now I'm getting a little confused on what day we did what, but I'm pretty sure it was this day we went to the World Trade Center uh, later that evening. And just shy of Wall Street and this street called Stone Street. Uh, obviously, I would want to get a picture of that for the, uh, the reasons you would guess. But apparently, Stone Street was created in the uh, or came about in Prohibition era where there was a bunch of slinging of illegal uh, alcohol. And now it's this street like Cobblestone Street, right? Right down the street from Wall Street, right down the street from the World Trade Center, right down the street from all these massive you know, banking industry buildings, this little, like, you don't drive on it. It's all chairs and tables all in the middle of it. And just bar after bar after bar after bar after bar. bar. Just, just fantastic. Just so cool. Never heard of it before. So I took a look at that. And then went to the World Trade Center. And I, I was told by several people I'd need to go to the museum underneath. And um, we just, you know, just didn't have, there's just not enough time to do all these things. And so just got some pictures and got down at Ground Zero and the Freedom Tower. And at the bottom of the, of the 
tower, there's this thing called a, a building, just a work of art. You got it's very odd looking. It kind of looks like a big white spider. Um, you'll have to look it up to get a better idea. It's called the Oculus Building. And it's basically, it's the train center, the subway stop for the World Trade Center. And so it's an immaculate train stop. And inside the Oculus Building is like a five-story freaking mall. I mean, it's impressive, no doubt, but leave it to America to take one of the biggest tragedies in the history of the world, but certainly our country, and turn it into a five-story mall. But uh, it was certainly impressive to look at. So that was a, 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 a very nice experience for me. As I mentioned earlier, one of my obsessions is it's coming up here in a few weeks, 9-11. All the documentaries, I watch the same thing every year for a solid week, whether it's Discovery, History, whatever channel it is, Smithsonian, I can't get enough of the story of the Twin Towers and, and the terrorist attack. And I don't know you know, what that says about me, if that makes me a good steward of, of history or if it makes me obsessed with um, danger and terror. I don't know, but I love it. And getting to be there, really, I mean, I, f I felt something. I enjoyed it. I thought this was something that had to happen, and I'm so happy that we did it. I want to wrap this up here as quickly as I can because I'm getting close to probably about 50 minutes at this point. Um, Sunday was all City Field. Four o'clock game, so basically it's going to consume the whole day. And at that point, I was so tired, and I was ready to just go watch some baseball and see a baseball park. And boy, did that completely live up to any expectations that I had. City Field is fantastic. It is an absolutely gorgeous ballpark. There's nothing on the outside because there doesn't need to be anything on the outside. Shea Stadium's long gone. It's all parking lots. And it's the only place we drove the whole time I was there because it is a drivable destination. That's why they have all the parking. And we got in a couple hours before the game. And I could, you know, I could go blow by blow and tell you everything about the ballpark, but that's going to bore you. If you want to know that, you can go online and do a virtual tour. Just know that I am difficult to impress when it comes to ballparks because I am the ultimate baseball park snob from the single A level, double A, triple A, minor league levels to the majors. I will critique your ball, your ballpark and you have to have done a good job to make me impressed. And even if it's a really good job, like the national stadium in Washington, that place sucks. Yeah, it's pretty, you know, it's nice. It's new. The place totally sucks. It's a concrete jungle. It's got nothing of character to it. The, the Met city field couldn't be any more the complete opposite. Gorgeous, gorgeous building. And uh, I walked away realizing that I don't hate the Mets like I thought I did. Now, I still pretty much do. And I'm having some just still kind of prisoner of the moment stuff. That, that whole weekend, it was just a big weekend of prisoner of the moment. And it's still lingering a little bit because like, I got my Mets cup that I was drinking watching the game. Braves won, luckily. Uh, out of great cup, you know, great colors. Just beautiful. Anyway, that was all day Sunday. Oh, and Piano Man. In the seventh inning, or eighth inning, whichever it is, kind of like how the Red Sox do Sweet Caroline and they do the big sing-along in between innings. I had no idea. The New York Mets, in whatever inning, late inning that is, they play the Piano Man, Billy Joel, and the whole place sings along. And, man, that made me smile. Because <laughs> what an amazing song, as opposed to that dumb Sweet Caroline song. Piano Man is so incredible. And to sit around with a bunch of New Yorkers wearing all my Braves gear, head to toe, um, I, I can take a lot. So I, I got ribbed a little bit, but not too much. Plus, we were getting our ass kicked, so and I'm, I'm not a loudmouth. But singing along to Piano Man was something to um, certainly see. And then I'll wrap things up here with uh, Monday, final day in town. Traveled most of the day on Sunday. Had lots of layovers and two delays. I didn't get home Tuesday night until Wednesday morning at 2 a.m. It was actually absolutely terribly awful. <laughs> it was one of the worst things ever. But I had just had so much fun, it was hard for me to get mad. And I did complain about it on Twitter. And someone said, would you shut up? You just had like the most amazing weekend I've ever seen. And now you're complaining about the flight home. And I was like, touche. You're right. So Monday morning, we ran down to uh, the Brooklyn Bridge Park, which I think that is the Dobro Dumbo area. I'm not sure about that, but it was the Brooklyn Bridge Park, which I didn't know there was such a thing. So many parks 
and green spaces in such a small area. It's 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 wild. Um, with you got just people stacked on top of people, but you have so many wonderful parks. It's uh, it was beautiful. It was a gorgeous day. Uh, Brad took a picture of me with the you know in front of the with the uh, Brooklyn Bridge in the background with the skyline behind it. It looked like a effing painting. It was gorgeous. Now I look like shit in it, like always, but the the, the surroundings, you know, the backdrop was so pretty. Um, at that point, it was walk across the Brooklyn Bridge or take the ferry, and it was it was pretty much one or the other. And we're running out of time. We got the raid show tonight, that Monday night, and um, I said, you know what? Let's take the ferry. That sounds like a better idea. I don't need to. I, I'm a little scared of heights too, by the way. I don't need to be at the top of you know over the. Uh, on top of the uh, bridge. So we took the ferry, which was awesome. Just neat to just cruise through the whatever, you know, canal, river that is. I don't know what they call those waterways. It's not the ocean, but it's basically is. And Hudson, was that the Hudson? I don't know. Anyway, and took that for however long, 275 That's how much it takes. Every time you get on a public transportation is $2.75, which if you're doing it all day long and, and you don't know what you're doing, that can get kind of expensive. But if you know exactly what you're doing, that's a very inexpensive way to get around. And we stopped at this other bar that doesn't matter, met up with Hillary, had a beer, and then called it a day. Took the train home, rested up, took a short power nap, got changed. Met our friend uh, David Martin and his wife and his brother and a couple others that just so happenstance were in town. We did a rooftop just down, you know, right in the middle of everything. And this is where, like, the 275 thing, it's a straight shot from Brad's and Hillary's place in Queens to Madison Square Garden for two dollars and seventy five cents just down the road. You, you're you boom. You're in front of Madison Square Garden. I mean, it's it's incredible. And Madison Square Garden. Had I known that it was going to be the spectacular building that it was, I would have gone in at least an hour early to look around. This place is amazing it's been around since uh 68 there's been some kind of madison square garden for 100 years but this this particular one and i could go on and on i did all kinds of wikis on this i could tell you stories about this again if you want to know you can do it on your own but it it's been so updated it is immaculate inside there the history on the walls it's just a big roundhouse so you can just literally walk in circles and all the history on the walls of the sporting events the political events the uh, whatever kind of event there's something going on almost every day in there are all documented all up and down the walls and then we went to the rage show and oh my god i love rage against machine it was one of the one of the better shows i've ever seen one of the most fun i've ever seen and something i didn't know that i had to have i didn't know that i needed that and i thought when i got done and i talked to brad and hillary and i said that was one of the more uh, mind-blowing shows i've ever seen that they would say, just pipe down, dude. You're just you're just caught in the moment. They said to me first, as they we found because we had seats in different sections. Uh, um, long story, just not that interesting. And they first said to me, "Oh my God, can you believe what we just saw?" And so that was just just. I mean, they played everything you'd want to hear. It was the ultimate exclamation point to the ultimate short vacation trip couldn't be any more happy and uh i appreciate you sitting here listening to an hour to me ramble <laughs> on about it that's it stop by the you know went down to Times square after the show saw macy's uh, saw all the, the the light lit up lights and stuff at that point i wasn't very impressed anymore with downtown that area because it's just you know it's, it's it is what it is and that's for all intents the trip was over Got back to Queens in about 15, 20 minutes or so. Changed into my sleep pants and had a couple of gin and tonics. Passed out, slept all day or until 12, 1230 anyway. While they were out doing things and at work and stuff. And then I got an Uber back to JFK and spent the day getting back home. And um, it was great. And I uh, probably will never go again, even though I really do want to. Because there was so much left to do. But uh, if I don't ever go again, I'll be satisfied that I got a very good look at one of the greatest cities in the world. And that is all I got. I probably left some stuff out that was worth telling, but I appreciate you sticking around with me this long. I'm going to wrap things up, get back to a more normal show, I would think, I guess. I hope something pops up around here. Come on, Chad, it'll be interesting. Let's go. Do something Do something that's worth talking about, all right? 
And um, we'll do that next week. We're still in August next week, right? Yeah. Damn thing's almost over. See you later. Bye.